Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Thanks for being a part of the Season of Sons. This podcast series we are launching out over the month of December based upon Isaiah 9-6 that says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus came as a baby, but he did not remain as a baby. He grew in wisdom and stature and became the son who did not withhold anything from the Father. You see, babies can't do much, but sons can change the world. Step into this series with me over the month of December, and I hope that you will choose to become a maturing son to the Father. If ever the world needs to see sons who know their Father and love Him, it is now. So let's jump in together. Thanks so much for being a part of this series. All right. Hey, everybody. We are back in the season of sons. This is part two. So let me just jump right in. I want to talk a little bit today. Now, remember, I'm not a Greek scholar, not trying to be. This is not an in-depth biblical study. These are thoughts for you to think about, to be provoked by. So just make sure you remember that. It's kind of like a disclaimer that I'm giving <laughs> giving you a heads up. All right, but let me let me start with this scripture, John 14, 30 and 31. It is one of my favorites because remember in this season of sons, you have the life of the son. So we look at how Jesus lived, how he progressed, how he grew, how he matured because that is going to be the way that we go. John 14, 30 and 31. I will not talk with you much, Jesus says, for the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There's nothing in me that belongs to him and he has no power over me. But Satan is coming and I do as the father has commanded me. Why? It says, so that the world may know, be convinced that I love the Father and that I do only what the Father has instructed me to do. I act in full agreement with his orders. Rise, let us go away from here. Now, how many of you know Jesus is rising to keep moving towards the cross? So, You know, Jesus didn't get into that moment and into that thinking, to that level of development, that level of maturity. He wasn't uh, able to become a weos uh, because he took self-indulgent shortcuts. No, he did not take self-indulgent shortcuts. No, he endured every day of his uh, child rearing. You know, when you raise children. And this is why we look at where Jesus is at. It's like over in Matthew 26. Now, see, I want you in this season of sons 
I want you to remember when you read in the Gospels and you read and you hear Jesus talking and you watch him growing and you see him uh, moving about, having to discern and, and stay true to his assignment as to why he was sent, I want you to remember you're looking at the life that you now possess. The, the word tells us in 1 John 5, 11, and 12, you know, if you have the son, you have the life. If you don't have the son, you don't have the life. So I want you to hear me. I say this often, but I feel like I'm cutting through well blubber. I'm cutting by the power of the cross and by the power of the word through the dullness that oftentimes is on us as Christians who have grown numb to the gospel. We've heard it. We listen. We go to church. We sit. We get up. We walk off. We say that was a great message, right? No, no, no. The word of God is to cut through and to say to you, when you hear him talking, that's how we are to talk and think. You, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, I sometimes so wish we were all sitting around a table and, and we could just have a, you know, a back and forth, you know, but I'm just sitting here in my office talking to my phone as I'm recording this that I'm you know, and I'm looking in my Bible, not just at John 14, 30 and 31, but I'm also looking at Matthew 26. Um, and hold on just a second. And I'm looking at verse 53 and 54. All right. Matthew 26, 53, 54. Jesus again talking. He says, do you suppose that I cannot appeal to my father and he will immediately provide me with more than 12 legions, more than 80,000 angels. But how, he goes on to say, but how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must come about this way? You see, I mean, that is so powerful. In this season of sons, I want to provoke you to look at what Jesus said about his own way of thinking his own way of making decisions. See, right here, he's saying, yeah, I can leave. I can leave any time. This is one of the ways you can know Jesus was not on automatic pilot. Therefore, you are not on automatic pilot. You know, if you don't let Jesus be real, you will not be real. If you don't let him be a real man making real decisions about what he's going to do, and if he's going to obey the Father, and what's going to happen in this particular situation is because Jesus chooses to live his life loving the Father. That's what he said previously in John 14, 30, and 31. He said, look, there's nothing inside of me that corresponds with the enemy. He says, and I'm going to do what I do and conduct my business the way I do because I want the world to know that I love the Father. That's why I obey his commands. And there, that, that's what you and I are to do. The same is true is that you need to know that right now, if you want to rescue, you want to stay small, you want to stay immature, you want to stay at the stage that you're at, you can do that. But don't think that you're going to then be able to fulfill your assignment at the same time, okay? This is a part of us recognizing if we're going to go from one developmental stage to another, from Nepios, the nurtured child, 
into the Padeon, the child that's beginning to be able to take instruction, that understands there's going to be correction. Why? Because you have a future. You have a father, therefore you have a future. And a true father gets you ready for the future that he knows is coming. That's why he cannot leave you where you are. That's why he must challenge you, provoke you, nurture you, nourish you, talk with you. So here, Jesus is showing again his weos mindset, a full maturing. But he didn't get there by self-indulgent shortcuts. He didn't get there by whining and complaining. Now listen to me carefully. When you're a nepios and you're a baby, whining is like a part of what babies do. That's how they communicate sometimes. They are in that developmental stage. They cry because they don't yet know how to talk. But how many of you know when the baby stage is over and it's time to grow, how many of you know it's time to grow? So this isn't about I never whined, I never, you know, like, yeah, when I didn't know how to talk, when I wasn't quite sure how to you know, handle things. I just whined. Anybody else out there? (laughs) You just whined and you were like, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand, you know. And so what can happen is, you know, it's time to to grow uh, and you just kept on whining. And if there were people around you that catered to that, then guess what? You probably might still be in that place. Okay. Now, I also want to tell you that a part of being a full-grown weos is what it says. Let me just flip over there very quickly into Hebrews. I think it's 5-7, but let me get there. In Hebrews 5-7, it says, here is Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed and supplications with strong crying and tears to him, the Father, who was able to save him out from death, not save him from dying, but to reach in and quicken him when he was dead and bring him back to life. Jesus made his requests known to the Father with strong crying and tears. My friends, whining might be for babies, but strong crying is for weosses, those who are the mature sons. So we need to understand that we're not talking about trying to be stoic and never crying and never having an issue or never uh, making, um, you know, our, our emotions known, okay? We've just got to understand, though, there is a maturing, even in crying, I just love this. There's maturing even in the crying. And so let me let me just make sure I, I stay where I want to get today. So, so in those three particular scriptures, John 14, 30, and 31, then we jumped over to Matthew 26, I believe 53 and 54. Then we jumped to Hebrews 5, 7. Okay. In those, I'm showing you specifically, specific, every day, down in the dirt ways that Jesus lived, thought, spoke, made decisions, because that's a part of where you're headed. Now, let's back up a little bit and let's look at 
what it means to be a nepios, a babe in Christ. For unto us a child was born, but a son was given, Isaiah 9, 6. That's our series, standout scripture. So we look at this first phase of sonship, the nepios. There are many scriptures where this Greek word is used, Matthew eleven twenty five, Matthew 21, 16, Luke 10, 21. This scripture is used uh, several times. And, you know, when it's time to be a child, be one. You know, I don't expect that someone would become born again and the next day they're just mature and they just know what to do. Unfortunately, though, sometimes we expect that of people, and especially if they have a very dynamic conversion. But when we look here at Nepios, when it's time to be a child, be one. But when it's time to mature, then let's do it. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. All right, this is a part of what, when it uses this word nepios in um, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 11, you know, when it says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I behaved like a child, I reasoned like a child. But now that I am a man, I'm, I must put away childish things. So we want to understand, and again, I'm not doing a deep Greek study here. What I'm trying to provoke you to look at and to think about is, did you pass through the Nepios stage where there was a time where you were on the breast of God, the El Shaddai, the all-breasted one? Did you pass through that Nepios time where you allowed him to love you, to nurture you, to tend to you as a baby needs, because if a baby is going to be able to go into being a toddler or a young child in a healthy manner where they're properly bonded, oh, I could talk about this right here, where they are properly bonded to their caregivers, which is what causes them to be able to love and to be able to grow and to mature and and actually get along with other people and and uh, all of those things. Well, did you pass through that time or did you become born again, go straight to work and you jumped from Nepios into say maybe Technon or Nepios into Padeon and you skipped this deep nurturing stage because what you began to hear was serve at church, volunteer, do this, do that. And so what happened was you may not have, um, taken adequate time for the true nurturing. Now, I will tell you that you will always be deeply being fed by the Father, deeply nurtured and tended to, but it looks different at different phases of development. It looks different. The way that he loves me today is different than when he was loving me 33 years ago or so when I came to the Lord. Um, my years might not be correct. It was back 1987. You see, but he fed me. I allowed that, but I'll just tell you in my own backstory uh, that after that first year or so, and I began to go into ministry. Now, nobody, I'm not saying anybody failed me. I'm saying 
my performance stuff, my good flesh started kicking in really, really strong. And I probably, probably was becoming uh, a good, you know, working son. All right. But uh, I, I began to leave the place of the real nurture because you know, what was nurturing me was the applause of people. Oh, I loved that. What was the attention of people, uh, people, you know, being drawn to me, uh, being put in front of people, uh, things like that. And so sometimes we need to guard the maturing processes of where people are at. I'm not saying they should never work or never be in front of people until they're fully mature. I'm just saying that are we always emphasizing the nurturing aspect of the father and son relationship. At every stage, we need to be deeply abiding in his love. We need to be deeply receiving of him. We need to, we need to have our eyes upon him and our heart and face turned towards him. This is what nurtures a son at every stage. So, you know, in this Nepios time, it's a time where the discipleship needs to be real pouring in. It needs to be sure where there are uh, opportunities for real learning of him, learning that he loves you, not because you perform, but because he is love. You know, that there is um, not that there are many demands just yet. You know, I was just talking with some some uh, leaders in another state today, and we were you know, talking about that uh, when we work together and we do events and different things like that, that it's always my heart that we don't work someone until they've been poured into. I said, because not this isn't just my policy. This is one of God's ways is we want to be those that have ways that reflect uh, the heart of God. So just in real simplicity, it's that oftentimes in some of the events that I do, I say, well, until you attend, you can't work at it because many people are more comfortable working. They are not comfortable receiving. They are not comfortable being nurtured. They want to be noticed. I was one of those. I was much more comfortable working and, and uh, looking important, maybe. Uh, than I was uh, receiving uh, because I thought I already knew so much. It's hard to teach people, you know, who think they already know so much, but that's a part of child development. That's a part of why sometimes we are humbled, right? So back at the Nepios point, though, we need to understand that we don't want to be putting major demands upon people when they're in the nurturing part, the pouring in. Now, again, if the pouring in is being done well, if the pouring in is being done uh, properly uh, in a healthy manner, uh, it's actually going to start creating hunger inside of that newborn believer for more. It won't, they start to get that hunger to go from milk to meat, all right? Not a huge steak all at once, but that progressive time of where you go from liquid or milk or the immature Christian uh, doctrines, if you will, 
and you begin to mature more into saying, hey, I'd like to taste some of that table food, right? Food from the table of my father. So this is also a time where a person is unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness and unable to talk, it tells us in Hebrews 5.13, right? Because this is where you may be, this may sound strange, but you might be mature in certain things and yet be a nepios in other things. Like you might be able to preach the pain off the wall, but when it comes to actually having conversations with people where you're intimidated or you don't want them to reject you, you revert to a person who can barely talk. You can't tell the truth in those conversations. You uh, just agree with everybody. You're a yes man or a yes woman uh, because you're unskilled and unable to talk, it says in Hebrews 5.13. So you might be able to preach the meat, but you can only uh, you're only drinking milk when it comes to maybe crucial conversations in your life. You know, in the Nepio stage, when there's a lot of nurturing, if you know this in, in, in regular child rearing, a child needs to be stimulated, looked at, talked to. They, they need you to make certain sounds so that they can begin to make certain sounds. But there's a lot of eye-to-eye, face-to-face, heart-to-heart that goes on when you have a newborn child. And so this is a part of when uh, someone is in that Nepio stage, maybe a, just a new born-again believer, then one disciple talking to another disciple, uh, again, I don't mean that you're using baby talk, but you are sharing uh, some of the um, more immature Christian doctrines, if I can put it that way those things that are milk, things that they can easily begin to absorb. And then as their appetite is fed by that, and as they are truly maturing, then you would want to be able to start feeding them some things that uh, they're hungry for. And they'll learn how to chew and how to let the digestive, the spiritual digestive system be able uh, to work. So these are things that in all levels of discipleship, we need to be aware of. Uh, you know, you don't want to just have just a one-stop shop of discipleship. I believe in discipling people in all seasons. Is it time to disciple uh, to disciple them financially? Is it able to? Is it time to find uh, disciple them? I'm sorry, I'm tripping over my words there. Uh, is it time to disciple them uh, in their marriage? Have they just come through a divorce, and you need to take a few weeks? And you need to let them process the the devastation that they are going through, the whole new world that they're going through, the culture shock of going from being um, married to single. Or is it a season of grief where maybe they need to be um, nurtured in a way that they're going in the culture shock of going from being married to widowed? They're living alone. They're facing things that they've never faced before. Discipleship uh, needs to be so strong, so real, uh, that the foundation of it is that we are sons to Christ and, and the development of that. But can it flex to meet people right where they are and that it doesn't have to be a whole nother, um, you know, way? There is this one way of being 
sons, that we are on the way. And again, as I started out today, Jesus, um, as a as a weos, where he was not looking for a rescue, but a resurrection, where he was fully aware that the enemy had just backed up for a more opportune moment, but he was in full agreement with his father's orders and moving forward uh, with full understanding of what he was stepping into and, and that he understood what it meant to cry strongly. And that was not a lack of faith. It was because he was so pressed in real faith that he believed for his resurrection even before the crucifixion, and he secured it from the Father. So strong crying, my friends, is a sign of strong faith as we, as we move forward. Yet Jesus did not get to that place by self-indulgent shortcuts. He got to that weos phase, that depth of maturity that brought you and I salvation, all right, and restoration and everything else that we have. But it's because Jesus lived through the Nepios, because he was born as a child, and he was nurtured, and he was raised and brought up and trained so that he could then go into that next phase of the Padeon. So I want to stop there, uh, because a Padeon is a child under training a child that has where there is strict oversight, ongoing development, and it's very necessary. Again, all of these phases are necessary. So if you've come through the Nepios phase and you're at the Padeon phase, you're going to want to stay with me for next uh, episode on this Tis the Season of Sons series. So I hope that this has encouraged you today. It's just been us talking us being together, and I hope that it's causing you to think about the true need for discipleship at all levels within the church so that we become truly his brethren, not just by birth, but by real um, identification with him in every way, that the same way that he went is the way that we're going to go. All right? I hope that you'll check out everything Nancy McCready at nancymccready.com. I hope if you haven't already that you'll go over to the free Facebook group called The Producer's Way, where we are getting ready to launch out The Producer's Way uh, online school and community in January. Uh, and so there's just a lot of things that are going on because I feel uh, such a responsibility and major true obligation to make it possible for people to be able to mature and go from stage to stage. We've got to continue on and not just rest uh, and get comfortable again. We need to be provoked on into the next places of real sonship. All right. Our father uh, wants to move through us in this time in history, and I believe he's going to be able to do it. And I believe there's going to be those that give themselves to him without any reserve, without any regret, and with no retreat. I pray it's going to be you. All right. Until next time, I will see you later. Bye. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.